Alrighty. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to the Mixed Reviews. This is our third episode. And you know what I realized we didn't do last time? What did we do? We didn't introduce ourselves, um, which I, we should do every episode. I think I did say I was a mystery. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, you did. You did very on brand for me. You did say that you were uh, man advice giving. What, what was that guy's? What, what? what the fuck was that guy's Ma- name? Man. There was a VH1 show about a, a relationship advice guy named Mystery. They oh, teach men how to pick yes, up women. Yes. He was like a magician. Yeah. Well, I, I think he just dressed like a magician, which is especially a bad look if like you're if not you're not going to actually give me magic. Exactly. All you're giving me is a look of a magician. Commit. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we're asking. He was like, I got magic to get into ladies' pants. <laughs> so anyways, I am Gavin, one of your co-hosts, and with me is Mystery. Mystery. No, my name is Louie. Hi. Hi. We're here. We are credentialed. We are professionals. Yes, and, credentialed uh, podcasters. Credentialed movie watchers. Absolutely. I could watch a movie all day long. That's I how know. credentialed I am. I mean, I have a friend who, like, is literally running 22 miles a day. Um, and he was like, yeah, that takes me four hours. And I was like, well, I watched movies for four hours yesterday. So, same thing, <laughs> same. bro. Exactly. 22 miles. 22 miles. I get excited when I get four miles. And I'm like, this is a good day. <laughs> I mean, good for you and your four miles. Because I did one last week and I felt very good. Well, let me tell you, your metabolism is amazing. Thank you. look you. great. Oh my God, Kevin. <laughs> I went to the gym twice last week. Oh my. So. Um, that noise you're hearing is me flipping the table. It's <laughs> <was> like, fuck everything. <laughs> yes, I did join the gym um, and I feel disgusted. Yeah, that's a gyms make me feel. I joined a gym that's a. This has nothing to do with what we're going to talk no. about. We'll, we'll get to it. We're going to get there. Catching up with us first. Uh-huh. Uh, I joined a gym that is literally a block away from me. Um, and now I'm. You know, it was so easy when there was a gym that was farther away that I could like come up with excuses yeah. like, yeah. oh, I was going to go to the gym, but I have to do all these dishes. I and can't. Stuff. No. And now it's literally just. Like, oh, no, you're garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Garbage. No excuse. <laughs> just, I w- I'm like going towards the door and I'm just like, mm, yeah. no, I can't because I'd rather just lay on the couch. I joined the gym at the office. So I am going in the building and um, I did run into my boss. See, that's why I can't do it. Yeah. We work in the same building. Yeah. We have different bosses. Different but, bosses, different jobs, same building. Same building. And I cannot, I will not work out with my I boss. Felt, I was like, so I'm like in there struggling with my life to like activate gym going things. And I see my boss walk through and I was like, no. <laughs> and I had to like do some I, w- I was that gif of the girl doing math you know and I was like when do I need to go to the like uh, I found out that's from a telenovela by the way I was so happy when I found that out <laughs> anyways go on well I was like I need to go to the shower and do all that because I definitely do not want to see him or have him see me in any type of undress yeah oh absolutely um, and think like I, I showered really quickly and then I put my clothes on and I just I barely made it because he walked into the locker room as I was putting my shoes on and I was like you walked out and he's just doing that thing with the ropes with the yeah, like yeah, just arms waving and, we, and, and it was weird though because we did like that very awkward like wave and like kind of like sup bro nod I was like don't talk to me do not <laughs> pretend like I am just a ghost um well <laughs> but anyway like pretend like I'm a ghost you are looking incredibly pale I will say <laughs> I was in the sun today you, you are incredibly Caucasian today which is funny because you're not I know I'm, I'm only Caucasian passing which is like I get the privilege of everything <laughs> You know, I can, I'm passing, but I'm also not. Exactly. I'm vaguely ethnic. 
Vaguely ethnic. I am vaguely ethnic, yeah. I am very much not. But you're not. Oh, yeah. No, I am burst into the flames in the sun. <laughs> or not in the sun. Just, Just at, at, any, at any point. A certain look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of things that are excessively heterosexual, though. Ooh, yes. We're going to get to today's topic. Yeah, today's which is, topic. Which is our first filmmaker. So if you don't know, by the way, our podcast is... Our goal is to take a film person... Um, be them an actor or filmmaker, uh, usually an actor. It's primarily probably going to be actors, but every now and then we are going to do filmmakers because I like that. And, um, <laughs> and what a Gavin says goes. <laughs> exactly. And um, so our goal is to take their career and sort of dissect it and, uh, you know, find out what we think is their strong points and mm-hmm. what we think are perhaps not their strongest Yeah, points. you take the good with the bad. Yeah, and that's how you use something, something lyrics, facts of life. Facts, facts of life. I was like, I don't know the rest of those words, but I know that, yeah. Yeah. Cue the harmonica from the Roseanne. Thank you. There it is. is. (laughs) Um, But this week, we are going to be discussing the films of Richard Linklater. Richard Linklater, who is my homie. He is. uh, of the homeland of Tejas. Yes. So I would, uh, just to give him some biographical information, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you can also Wikipedia, but we'll we'll do this up front. Educate me, Gavin. Tell Uh, me the truth. Richard Linklater is 56. He was born in Houston, Texas. He's the son of Diane Margaret who taught at Sam Houston State University, and Charles W. Linklater the third. So it's interesting that he was not a Charles Linklater the fourth. Um, he attended Huntsville High in Huntsville, Texas during grades 9 through 11, and finished at Bel Air High School in Bel Air, Texas for his senior year. As a teen, Richard Linklater also won Scholastic Art and Writing Award. Uh, Linklater studied at Sam Houston State University, where he also played baseball, which... Sounds very... We'll see that later. Absolutely. Um, he dropped out of there. He went to work on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico. He read frequently. Um, but then he fell in love with the, uh, repertory theater in Houston, which is where he decided he wanted to become a filmmaker. He bought a Super 8 camera, um, a projector and editing equipment, and he moved to Austin, which I would say has been the great love of Richard Linklater's life. It's, I mean, all of this, like all this groundwork for his life is informs so much of his movies. Absolutely. We see Sam Houston State in Boyhood later. Yep. You know, we see so much of uh, Texas and these small towns and Houston and Austin in all of his movies. Or not all, but a majority of his movies. Uh, so he's... He founded or was a founding member of the Austin Film Society? Yes. Well, yeah, because he then attended the Austin Community College uh, in the fall of 1984. Um, yeah, he co-founded Austin Film Society. And uh, just a point of fact that has nothing to do with anything. He's been a vegetarian since he was in his 20s. Damn. Yeah. Damn, Link Leader. <laughs> Keep Austin weird. <laughs> and also a vegetarian. Exactly. Mm, those leaves, they <laughs> look so good. Yay. Um, that's not to make fun of any vegetarians. I mean, we you love you guys. You. We, we you love you. to you. I'll eat what you're not. Exactly. I'll eat anything, honestly. <laughs> uh, because that's who I am. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, so that that is your background info on Richard Linklater. Yeah, and I think uh, I was I was talking to my mom today, and like a couple friends are like, "Wait, who's Richard Linklater? What has he done?" And I think most people don't know that they've seen probably a lot of his stuff. Right, and he's been pretty prolific. He's been yeah. working professionally. I believe his first film, I want to say eighty seven or eighty eight. Um, he's been doing. I, and so probably his most mainstream thing is School of Rock. Yes. So if. Uh, I mean, if, if you, even if you have a passing knowledge of, like, film, like, you've heard of School of Rock, 
of become it was a, it was a Broadway show for now. I think yeah, it's still going and there's on. actually going to be a TV show. I'm not sure if the TV show's on already I think there or was, not. There already was a TV oh, show. Oh, really? It was like a, a competition series or something. Where oh like, no, well this is a sitcom, I believe. Oh, yeah. Because okay. there was a school of rock thing where like they had like real kids going to school to like become rock stars or whatever. And like on VH1 a while ago. And where are those kids now? Are they rock stars? Are they all Pete Wentz's? Mm-hmm. Are they all out no. there? <laughs> I mean, no, no, there's only one Pete Wentz, Gavin, don't be crazy. Um, that was the weirdly the first one that came to mind. I, I know. Like, really? Like, out of you, anybody? You, I would, <laughs> like Richie Sambora. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Like, no, Pete Wentz. Slash. Are they slashes? Are they all slashes no, now? Slash. <laughs> uh, you might also have heard of him for Boyhood. Boyhood? Um, Oscar contender? Yes. All, all the way back in the year of... 2014. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, just like ancient, ancient times. You, I think though he uh, dazing confused. Yes, was what put him on the map. Yes, well, his, his so as I mentioned before, his first film was called "It's Impossible to Learn to Plow" by reading books. It was made in 1988. Did you mention that before? Well, I mentioned that uh, he started in the 80s. Sorry, okay. that's what I meant. I was like, you yeah. said that. No, I mentioned the year. Sorry, right. I apologize. Uh, so that was 1988. It's impossible to learn to plow by reading books, uh, which was an underseen film for a really long time. But uh, now you can find it on the Criterion Collection DVD of Slacker, which was his first, like, big screen film. Came out in 1991. Um, and that's really what got him Dazed and Confused, which was his first mainstream success. And it's funny, I was reading an oral history of Dazed and Confused, which came out in 1993. And part of it was, they were like, it's success on VHS amongst teens. Yeah. That's yeah. really what skyrocketed. Yeah, they were saying, they were saying like, it really was, part, like... Uh, because you could take it home and like right. experience it, like oh, this is me. And what's cr- I watched it again, uh, like last week, and I literally just watched it two days ago because I hadn't seen it in a very long. Yeah, time. same. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was a kid, and my dad was like really into this movie, and it hit me like just recently watching it. I was like, because one of the trucks in the in the movie, I was like, oh, my dad had that truck. I was like, wait. Was my dad a stoner? <laughs> and I think... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh... he sure was. He sure was. Um, so, Gavin. Yes. I think... Are you going to ask if my dad was a stoner? So, Gavin, how was your dad? Was <laughs> he, like, really into, like, drugs? Or what was Well, he... my father was from Missouri, so... so yes. Yes. yes I no. Uh, no, I was thinking... Um, we haven't done this before. I was thinking maybe it would be uh, beneficial if we say what movies we did watch. Oh, excellent. Just to kind of, like, give people an idea if we, you know... Because uh, I, I have not seen all of Richard's movies. I did see a, a good amount, I think. Um, but I think it just give a good, like, kind of, uh, template for what people can expect we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. So, would you like to go first? Since sure. you seem to be, Great. seem to be yeah. on top so, of this. So, I just pulled up, um, his, uh, filmography, and so I have seen Boyhood, I have seen Days and Confused, and rewatched it. I just saw Everybody Wants Some. I saw the Before Trilogy, which is Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. I saw Slacker. I saw Waking Life. I saw School of Rock. Um, and rewatched School of Rock. Um, I saw Bernie. Did not rewatch it though. Um, okay. I have seen a, Scar- a Scatter Darkly, but I don't remember it too well. Um, I saw Bad News Bears. I saw the Newton Boys, and I saw Me and Orson Welles. Ah, so uh, as for his films that I've seen, I've seen It's Impossible to Learn to Plow by reading books, Slacker, Days and Confused, Before Sunrise, Suburbia, which I just rewatched, The Newton Boys, which I rewatched, Waking Life, Tape, School of Rock, Before Sunset. Bad News Bears, which I just watched for the first time, Fast Food Nation, Scanner Darkly, uh, Me and Orson Welles, Bernie, uh, Before Midnight, Boyhood, Everybody Wants Some. Yeah. And I, I really wanted to get in Fast Food Nation, but 
I could only find it in Spanish. Um, if it makes you feel better, you're not missing much. All right, thank you. Okay, yeah. good, 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 good. In, in fact, it's not even my worst pick. Wow. And that should tell you how not great it's it is. It's like, whatever. Yeah. I was mostly like, Kinnear in here and also in Bad News Bears. Because uh, uh, let me tell you, when he throws his kid down in Bad News Bears, it's not as good as the original. <laughs> so I, I wanted some violence. I haven't seen the original, and I mean, we'll talk about later. But I was like, uh, because uh, Richard Linklater likes working with a lot of actors over and over again. And Kinnear, I first saw him in Bad News Bears, and then I was like, I saw him in the trailer for Fast and Nation, and I was like, oh, um, let's see what's going on there. But I couldn't find it really, and I was like, okay, whatever, bye. I'm not terribly, uh, you know, it felt like it was fine. I could pass that one over. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I think Richard Linklater is a very interesting topic for us to talk about. Yeah, if uh, if you're not familiar with his work, after we just named all those films, um, a common theme of his films is uh, sort of a very naturalistic approach to dialogue, which is interesting because I was also reading about the fact that uh, the even though all the dialogue seems very naturalistic in his films, it's from months of rehearsals. Yeah. He is not. A fan of improvisation, yeah. he it like throws him off. Yeah, it, I, I was reading the same thing, and it's like he it, it looks so natural, but it's that's just the craft, right? He is such a craftsman, and like he's able to. Um, he's not all. He's he's an actor's director. Like he'll work with you know the actors to really get the what uh, the words to really shine and yeah. really get that across. And he and I, I don't think he's not afraid to like work with them to like maybe tweak some things here and there. But it's not like. We're rolling, and like out of a sudden, like this, oh, magic, it's happened. Like, that's not it at all. Like, right. he's very involved. And I think that also kind of shows why he likes working with specific people. Uh, he's also a very philosophical filmmaker. A oh, lot for of, sure. A lot of the conversations that occur between characters in his film um, are philosophical in nature. They're about beliefs, they're about uh, very broad ideas that can be sort of boiled down into everyday experiences. They're about love, they're about death. Time. Yeah, time. Time is huge in um, movies. They're about his childhood. I mean, he is a filmmaker fascinated with his own youth, um, for good and for bad. And yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that's a problem. It's interesting to see the way, uh, you know, that, that arc has sort of taken over his filmography as he has gotten older, too. Yeah. And no greater experience than that is the Before series, yeah. where you really see these three points in these decades of people's lives yeah but he you know once again as as you mentioned time is huge as well i i think a project like boyhood which was a film made over 12 years using the same actors yeah crazy. like i think also uh his home informs him a lot yeah. like he never moved to hollywood he still lives in austin and i i'm from texas just in case you don't know um and i, I watching these movies adds like this extra special layer of like he adds, like, these just very random, like, you know, Newton Boys, which is a very Texas story, true yeah. story, you know, from Uvalde. And, and you know, Matthew McConaughey, who's from Uvalde. Uh, and all these little things, I'm just like, oh, these are, like, podunk whatever towns. And I can just imagine him being, like, hometown son, being able to be like, yeah, we're going to shoot stuff here. And it just feels so authentic. Um, he, when he's shooting things in Texas about Texas, he has a very firm grasp on what that is. Um, and he does it a couple times with, like, other places as well that I think are successful, but not nearly as, like, robust well, as... Newton Boys is a very special case, too, because it was his very first big-budget Hollywood film, yeah. even though, once again, as you said, he never moved there. And he was very dedicated to authenticity. 
things looking and feeling exactly like they would have yeah. uh, back in the 30s. Is it the I 30s? think it's the 30s. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I, I think that's an, an interesting um, aspect to that. Another big portion of, of that authenticity is the, the documentary quality, which I sort of mentioned oh, yeah. before. And a lot of the times he'll experiment with that mixed format. You see that at the end of the Newton Boys where you get this whole narrative, but then you get interview clips yeah. with the actual Newton Boys uh, who were, I guess I should explain, they were four brothers who were the most successful bank, bank robbers. robbers. Yeah, and train robbers. They weren't as successful at train robbing um, no, in, no. in the United States. Um, and they pulled the biggest train heist of all time. Absolutely. And they all survived, yeah. and, uh, which is which is a pretty crazy thing. And they lived into, most of them lived into old age. Into I think their 80s, 90s. One of them didn't, like yeah. made it only to the 60s. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to talk about Newton Boys later, but uh, he very much is, uh, I mean, and, and that's why it's weird, because he has all these very, like natural lingering uh documentary kind of style right of uh he flirts with like the reality a lot in these yeah. movies that are kind of meandering and then he has this a different part where it's like you know school of rock uh i, I newtown newton boys kind of like walks the line of both of them yeah but, uh, well, newton Bears, boys, I, would, I would say the the core of newton boys is very much more hollywood but yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean the Bad News Bears, and so, like, there's definitely this different track where he's like, okay, I need to make, like, an actual movie about, you right. know, with, with an actual plot that's, like, you know, a more traditional type of movie. Oh, well, I've, I've heard him talk about that, uh, where he mentions that he doesn't focus group, you know, it doesn't really... It, it, none, of, none of that stuff informs him because he's not interested in films in that way. You know, I have an audience very small in my mind. Everything I do, practically, is like, you know, I think when Ethan and Julian and I are working together, we're kind of like, Oh, but if we say, we hint that you've cheated on it, everyone will hate you. And that's when we go, not our audience. Our audience will appreciate the brutal honesty of a real long-term relationship that maybe there's been some rough patches. Right. You know, other people are like, oh, no, if you do that, the audience will dislike him and you don't have a movie and we can't market it. It's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but this mythical audience we have that we think is, we know it's small, but it's deep and we have a bond with them that we're not going to lie to them, you know, and that's just something we feel. Studio execs get paid a lot of money to, to make these pronouncements, but it's just not, it's not true. I never believed it when they say, oh, if, if this happens, they all, you lose the audience. It's like, well, where do you gain the audience, you know? You, if you make a schematic that everything has been tested in the boardroom and, oh, well, if his dog died and then we'll like him, what are the stakes? You know, everything's about stakes in the screenplay. The stakes are, oh, if he doesn't get that, then he'll not achieve this. And, you know, here come all the plot points. And I'm like, what are the stakes? It's like you're alive, you know? <laughs> you're just trying to make it to the world, and here's what you're, you're trying to Like, the stakes can be low and yet kind of resonate, hopefully. But overall, I've just never, I've been allergic to these. If you do this, the audience thinks that. You know, it's like, of no, the manipulation I, 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 of it. Yeah, I want an audience that knows they're being manipulated and goes, that's stupid. And I think you can go back to his earlier films, like, you know, You Can't Learn How to Plow by Reading Books. I, like I said, I just watched that. And it, it's almost wordless. And it's funny because Slacker is all words. Yeah. It's wall-to-wall -wall words. Yeah. And I love Slacker. I thought I had seen it years ago. I had not. And I loved it. Um, and it's funny... Because because of the, I think when he's on and when he really taps into the core of like people's ideas and beliefs 
and the way they talk, he strikes this nerve um, that is really hard for other filmmakers to get. Yeah. And I found that out because when I watched Slacker, I was instantly like, I know these people. Like, mm-hmm. I've had these conversations. It- We're having conversations right now that could easily fit into that sort of thing. And then, like... I read some reviews from when it came out and it, they, like all the reviewers were like, this is like the films of the sixties. This is exactly like it was in the sixties. And it's funny that they, they saw something 40 years or 30 years before the movie came out uh-huh. in the film that I'm seeing 30 years later. later. And also clearly Richard Linklater was also experiencing those things at the time. Uh-huh. So it's the 60 year period where this film could sort of fit yeah. in. Oh, that was really my, represented my twenties. You right. know, I had, you know, like post-college, post-work, I was hanging out, and suddenly I found myself in a town with a, just an incredible group of uh, people and energy, and it wasn't about money or right. getting ahead. It was just about living the life you were supposed that, That's what I saw. I'm sure Art it was life, there. though, kind of. Yeah, and people who were kind of, what's the German word? Lieb- Liebenkunstler. It's <laughs> an artist of life. Right, You know, right. it's like they don't, their art is the way they go through the world. They don't want to, they don't necessarily... They're right, not exactly creating a product you can buy or sell, but it's their life is art, and I, I, I met so many people I would put in that category. It's weird because like Aaron Sorkin wishes his walk and talks. <laughs> like honestly, it, it feel. I mean, I don't know Richard Linklater. I, I you know, I'm, but it feels like so. Uh, the walk and talk is a very real thing yes. in a lot of his movies that are more like kind of meandering. Um, Slacker is very that. Okay, well, I mean, it's like I've had a total recalibration of my mind, you know? I mean, it's like I've been banging my head against this 19th century type, um, what, thought mode construct, human construct. Well, the wall doesn't exist. It's not there, you know? I mean, they tell you to look for the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, there is no tunnel. There's no structure. The underlying order is chaos, man. I mean, everything's in one big ball of fluctuating matter. Constant state of change. You know, I mean, it's like across that great quantum divide is this new consciousness. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know that we're all part of it. I mean, it's new physics. You can't look at something without changing it. You know, anything. I mean, man, that's like almost beyond my imagination. Okay, I'll see if Jeez, it's like that butterfly flapping its wings in Galveston and somewhere down the road a pace. It's going to, well, hey, create a monsoon in China, you know? Sorry I'm late. No. Uh, that's all right. Time doesn't exist. Uh, the Before series is very that. Uh, Waking Life, kind of. Waking uh, Life has that element. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, like, this is Aaron Sorkin, but, like, dialed down. Like, it is not crazy, like, on Adderall, you know, level. Like, this is... Right. This is that, like, two tokes in, just, like, really right. chilling out. The, the difference between something with Aaron Sorkin and Richard Linklater is... Um, in a Richard Linklater film, you're not going to be afraid that every person's going to think they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah, for sure. And I don't mean that as like a negative to Aaron Sorkin because there's a lot of Aaron Sorkin things are really like. Yeah. But everybody's clearly like, like me, I'm, a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, a dummy. Yeah, no, here, <laughs> like, I mean, here it's incredible because like you have all these just random people with like, oh, a gas station dude, like someone driving a car, someone like fixing whatever. It's like a, just, a Kennedy conspiracy theorist yeah, in a bookshop. Yeah. Like, it's that's totally <laughs> random stuff going in and out everywhere. And it's, and all I can think is like, man, Richard Linklater must have so much shit going on in his head. <laughs> and he's like, I just want to like talk about this. Well, I love the fact that he plays the very first character you meet in the film too. He's the, I should have stayed at the bus station guy. In Slacker? In Slacker, yeah. Oh, he's I didn't the even know that. the very first guy you see. And it's funny, um, if you watch the movie, uh, 
it's impossible to learn to re- how to plow without by reading a book. I want you. That's to such a complicated. Tra- to- such a complicated name. It's impossible to learn how to plow by reading a book. Um, like he's the main character in that, and that, like I said, it's almost wordless, and and the conversations don't feel important because they feel like they occur underneath what you're supposed to be watching. So it's interesting that his next film would be the direct opposite yeah. of that and still share similar themes. Literally, I mean, so I watched that um, and I really was like, it's hard to like be super engaged with like, because there's very minimal action, but like, yeah. you can just listen to that movie. Yeah. And you can just like get all of it. Um, but yeah, okay. So I <laughs> think we should start talking about... I think we should we should move into our picks and we can talk about stuff from there. Okay, great. Do you want to go first? Should I go first? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to roll the dice and say you should go first. Okay, so we're going to talk about our favorite movies, what we think is the most successful of his viewer. <laughs> um, and I just yesterday watched, I did a marathon of the Before trilogy, and it was a hard choice for me because I, when I think about like my favorite movies, I'm like, what is giving me the most joy? You know, I don't know, like, about technical things and all that crap. I'm just, like, trying to find, like, what is the most joy I get from these movies? And it came to, I have to pick the Before Trilogy. All three? All three of them, See, I, don't, I don't think that's fair. Um, you picked all three Spider-Men for, like, the worst. <laughs> but but then I was specific about Spider-Man 2. <laughs> so what I will say is, you know, when you look at Boyhood, which is this long-ass movie that yeah. took place over 12 years... And the Before Trilogy, which is over a longer time, but there's three movies, it's kind of like, it feels in the same lane. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, he decided to, like, cut them up. Um, and it's it's one long-ass story. Yeah. You know, I, I feel, um, I'm upset that I wasn't able to <clears throat> experience them as individuals, because I knew after I saw the first one, there's another one. And I knew after seeing the second one, there's another one. And so I always, I knew the story was continuing and I, I wish I was there in 1994, like watching the first one is fresh and then being like, man, what the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> you know, did they come together at, at the end or not? Uh, and I, there's, I think all of, uh, Richard Linklater's powers of, uh, love and romance and, uh, this storytelling, uh, comes together for this experience. I think I like Boyhood a lot. Um, but I think this, you know, uh, they don't make movies like this. They just don't do that. Like, um, I was reading a review. It's like uh, Nicholas Sparks adaptations has ruined the romantic movie. You know, any movie that's about love and romance is just garbage now. Um, but these are just like sexy and romantic and unvulgar and, and honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, holy Jesus. I watched, um, before midnight, uh, last night and I was just like kind of sobbing. Yeah. And it felt like I knew these people and I was like I saw Before Midnight in a screening room full of critics and I was weeping. Those are people you do not want to weep around. Uh-huh. I did not give a shit. Yeah, I did not. You're like, this is who I am, this yeah, is how I feel. This is my truth. And I I cannot believe just like, you know, I I, I was uh just so taken by, you know, uh it's kind of your like watching them now, you're transported back to like the early nineties. Yeah. And um it's it's such a small, like, intimate, beautiful little nugget of a movie of, like, falling in love. And it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Weekend. Um, yeah. and That's a good comparison. And and I, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't know much about... I just knew we were telling a story about two people who have met and their relationship over uh, 20 years? Nine? Yeah, like 18 yeah. years. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's not... It's, if, for, if you don't know, the, the Before uh, Trilogy, it's nine years is passed in between each movie. And yes. it makes them nine years apart. 
And um, in the first movie, uh, uh, Jesse, played by Ethan Hawke, and Celine, played by uh, Julie Delpy, yes. um, they meet at, on a train, and they just kind of spend a beautiful night together in Vienna. In Vienna. And, and Vienna looks gorgeous, and it contains one of my favorite scenes in any movie and i talk about this all the time and i know it's so stupid it's such a small moment but they're trying to find someone who speaks english and they run into some german tourists about the cow yeah yeah, the cow but i just love the way the interaction begins when they're like do you speak english and the first thing the german guy says is like do you speak german yeah why do we always have to speak english like and it's just like yes it's kind of like a fuck you to americans (laughs) yeah absolutely and i love that moment because you don't see that in movies you don't like in american films like the the americans are right and it just feels like Every first, it's not a long movie. No, but they there's so much in there, and it doesn't feel rushed, and it feels like such a beautiful pace, and it's so natural. It's Q and A time. We've known each other a little while now. We're stuck together, so we're gonna ask each other a few uh, direct questions. All right. So we ask each other questions. Yeah, and you have to answer hundred percent honestly. Of course. Okay. All right. First question. Describe for me, yes, I'm going to ask you. Describe for me your first sexual feelings towards a person. (laughs) My first sexual feelings, oh my god. Um, I know, I know. Uh, Jean Marc Fleury. (laughs) Jean Marc Fleury? (laughs) I remember at this summer camp together, and he was a swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, he had bleached out glowing hair and green eyes. And to improve his times, Mm He shaved the air of his legs and arms. It's disgusting. Oh no, he was like this gorgeous dolphin. And my friend Emma had a big, big crush on him. So one day I was cutting, you know, cross Phil back to my room and he came walking up beside me. You know, and I told him, you know, you should date Emma because she has a big crush on you. And he turned to me and said, well, that's too bad because I have a big crush on you. So, yeah, <laughs> it really scared the hell out of me because I thought he was so fine. And then he officially asked me out on a date and, you know, I pretended I didn't like him. You know, I I was so afraid of, you know, what I might do, you know. Uh, Well, so, you know, I went to see him swim a few times at the swim competition. He was so sexy, really, I mean, really sexy. You know, we kind of wrote these little declarations of love to each other at the end of the summer and, you know, promised we would keep writing forever and I, you know, meet again very soon. Did you? Of course not. Well, then I think this is the opportune time to tell you that I happen to be a fantastic swimmer. Really? Yeah. I make note of that. Okay. If I had to pick my favorite of the three, I guess I would pick Before Sunset. Um, that movie is so sexy to me. <laughs> and I, and for no reason. Like, literally, it's it's the way Ethan Hawke is, looks at um, Julie, right? Yeah. yeah. And I... I, I was like, man, if someone would look at me the way Ethan Hawke looks at her, man. And and I'll counter that with, uh, on the same track, uh, so Before Sunset, as you mentioned, takes place nine years later. This time it's in France. Um, he's moved on. Like, yeah. they, he never went to meet her. Spoiler alert. No, he did. He did. That's right. Oh, my yes. God. Gavin, get it right. No, okay. no. Yeah, sorry. He went. So, uh, at the end of the first movie, they de- they decide, six months from now, let's meet here. Yes. And, um... And then so we get this movie nine years later, and he's at this bookshop in France. Yes, because he's, he's written a book about their He's their written experience. a book about this experience, and uh, she shows up to this reading, and they, the first thing they ask is like, Where did, you, did you show up? Were you there? And um, spoiler alert, uh, he showed up and she didn't. Yes. Um, and it's, it, he's now married, has a child, 
uh, and and they're just like kind of revealing like this what their life is like and what could have been. And that's where I want to counterpoint you on the way he looks at her. I also think there's something incredibly sexy and beautiful in the way she looks at him. And I think the highlight of that film is takes place in the back of a car where they're talking about yeah. their lives now. And she gives this really impassioned speech about how he's ruined love for her. Yeah. And it's the saddest thing in the world. I don't believe in anything that relates to love. I don't feel things for people anymore. In a way, I put all my romanticism into that one night and I was never able to feel all this again. Like... Somehow this night took things away from me, and I expressed them to you, and you took them with you. It made me feel cold, like if love wasn't for me. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You know what? Reality and love are almost contradictory for me. It's funny. Every single of my exes, then they're married. Men go out with me, we break up, and then they get married. <laughs> And later they call me to thank me for teaching them what love is oh, and God. that I taught them to care and respect yeah, women. I think I'm one of those guys. You know, I want to kill them. Why didn't they ask me to marry them? I would have said no, but at least they could have asked. But it's my fault. I know it's my fault because I never felt it was the right man. Never. But what does it mean, the right man? The love of your life? The concept is absurd. The idea that we can only be complete with another person is evil, right? Can I talk? You know, I guess I've been heartbroken too many times and then I recovered. So now, you know, from the starts, I make no effort because I know it's not uh, going to well, work out. I know it's you, not going to work out. You can't do that. You can't live your life trying to avoid pain at the okay. expense of you know what? Those are words. I've got to. I've got to get away from you. Stop the car. I want to no, get out. No, no, no. Don't, 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 you know don't, don't, don't get it's out. It's being Keep around talking. you. Okay. Hey, no, hey. don't touch me. You know, I want to get on a cab. No, Monsieur, Monsieur, arrêtez-vous. No, no, c'est bon au feu là. No, 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 just don't, don't, no, 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 Sometimes he feels like he shouldn't be where he is, and yeah. and he turns away from her, and she goes to touch him, and then the and he pulls. turns back, and she pulls away before he can yeah. notice it, and it's the genuinely most heartbreaking moment I've ever seen in a movie. It's it, it, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Like, like I love that moment. The level of romance in these movies is so high. Absolutely, I, I, a lot of it is like. How scary! And and from day one, from that beginning when they first meet to before midnight when they're fighting, like they yeah. are, there is the most awful, intimate feeling that I've had watching a movie. Um, because you're like, no, you're in love, guys, you're <laughs> in love. Um, and and they and she's like, you know, it, she wants him to be more more romantic, and he's like, wouldn't matter. I was there. I did ask. I did talk to you on that train right. all those years ago, and I stepped up and I did it. And I think a lot these movies talk about a lot of different things. And uh, the last one, it's about like uh, uh, intimacy uh, existing, like yes, and, and these long, long relationships. And it's about like can love love last forever, and how do we keep that going? I think I think if there's a negative thing to say about the third one, third one takes place 18 years later. Mm-hmm. Now they're on vacation in Greece on the Greek Isles, and um, I would say there's too many side characters. There's a, it was crazy. Yeah, I was like, this is the first movie where it's not just them. Right there, there's a big long scene at a dinner table with like a bunch of which I characters. Do, which I do like when that scene gets to the end of it. I th- I also think the negative there's a lot of focus on men are men and women are women, and I think that yeah, is yeah. something that's very different than the other two films because the other two films are not about that and. That creeps in occasionally to yeah. a point that makes me not as comfortable. Now, I say this as a person who... This was my favorite film of 2013 or 2014, I believe, when it when it came out. Uh, so, I... Like, it's yeah. totally still a Very great movie. Minimal, like, yeah. I, 
I just can't believe like that speech though at the end of the dinner table that woman gives yeah. about her husband and losing the memories of him and, and it's losing him again. What I miss the most about him is the way he used to lie down next to me at night. Sometimes his arm would stretch along my chest and I couldn't move. I, I even held my breath. But I felt safe, complete. And I missed the way he was whistling, walking down the street. And every time I do something, I think of what he would say. Oh, it's cold today, wear a scarf. <laughs> but lately, I've been forgetting little things. He's sort of fading, and I'm starting to forget him. And it's like, like losing him again. So sometimes, I make myself remember every detail of his face, the exact color of his eyes, his lips, his, his teeth, the texture of his skin, his hair. That was all gone by the time he went. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes, I can actually see him. It's as if a cloud moves away and there he is. I could almost touch him, but then, the real world rushes in and he vanishes again. For a while I did this every morning, when the sun was not too bright outside, because the sun somehow makes him vanish. Yes, he appears and he disappears, like a sunrise or a sunset, or anything so ephemeral. Just like our life. Hmm? We appear, and we disappear. And we are so important to some, but we are just passing through. And I felt like it's, if you've ever been in love and felt heartbreak before, I mean, in Before Sunset, when she says, I'm scared I gave you all of me in that one night in France or in Vienna nine years ago, and I can't get back there. I don't know what that is. And now you, you're here, and you're married, and you wrote a book about me. Yeah. You wrote a book about me, and he writes another book about her. <laughs> he does. And so in the third movie, he's now written a book about how he found her. And and, and they, they get into this huge fight, and she's like, don't you ever write about me or our kids again? Blah, 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 this and that. And it's weird, because I know they're in love, and I feel it, but also it's like he's using their love for uh, right. benefit. Like, you know, that, that is their livelihood. Uh, coming from their love and heartbreak and all that stuff, and he's using that to uh, for their livelihood. Well, I will say, if there's one thing Ethan Hawke does really well in Richard Linklater film, it's play a complete shit yeah. every now and then. He, uh, <laughs> like like a, a well-meaning father figure, yeah. you mean? Like, very, like... <laughs> oh, absolutely. Or even in tape, where he plays a person who's so self-obsessed with himself, he destroys everyone around him. I uh, hate when that happens. Yeah. God. I noticed tape was not on your list of things you had no. seen. It's so good. Okay. It's so good. I, I recommend it. But if we were to move over to my favorite film, okay. this is the first time this has happened. And normally I will come with a backup plan, but I had no backup plan. The Before series is also mine. Yeah. And Before Sunset is the crowning achievement of Richard Linklater's career. The second and one. The second one. Uh, not only is it brave and honest and beautifully acted, it all takes place in real time. Yeah. It is 100% an hour and a half. It takes that length of time for the movie to occur. Yep. Um, 
it just the amount of planning, the amount of work he had to do with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy to like really dig into their characters. And we mentioned that he's an he's an actor's director, and I I don't think there's a better performance either of them has given in their entire career. And she's gone on to make films. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke's gone on to do. I mean, Ethan Hawke does everything. Did he not um, get an Oscar for something? Training the, Training Day. Maybe? Training Day. Yeah. And I think he's better in the Before series than, yeah. than that movie. I'm. I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but anyway, oh, I've never seen. That uh, it's it's fine. It's weird. Um, someday we'll do Ethan Hawke. Oh and, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, but yeah, before sunset, I think is is really where it's at, and that great moment at the end where so she talk about it. She sings oh, some song. And that then song murdered me. Yeah, it's I beautiful. Um, I mean, that last line. When yeah, she's, she's singing to Nina Simone. And yeah, she says, baby, baby, you're, you're gonna, gonna miss that, that plane. plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby, you are going to miss that plane. I know. <laughs> and then he just smiles and says, I know. <laughs> and that's it. And I, and I would have I, I would have been fine if that was the end of the series. Yeah. I'm not mad that there's... I like the third one a lot, a lot. And I think I read an interview, like, there a fourth one is not out of the question. Right. Well, that's the... So that's the interesting thing. Because uh, I know you mentioned that you, you just saw them all for the first time. Yeah. I actually did see the first one in the 90s on Late Night on HBO. And it's so funny because, like, it was on HBO for that month. And a couple months later, my father was like, I saw this movie and it's just Ethan Hawke and this woman. And it's the most romantic thing I've ever seen. And I was like, I know. <laughs> so when the second movie came out, I was so happy to like lend him my DVD. And like, I was in college and I watched it with friends the first time and it was beautiful. And so it was sort of heartbreak. I've since lost my father. And it was sort of heartbreaking for me when the third one came out. And I was like, I don't have my father to yeah. share this with. But, uh, but that's what, like, I don't know. So I'm excited for if there's a fourth one, but I kind of don't yeah, need it. It's, it's weird because, he, and I read an interview, he said, each everyone is harder to make than yeah. the previous one because, you know, you're always worried, are you going to fuck up what we've already laid groundwork for? I mean, the first right. one, before Sunrise came out, and it was, it's beautiful. Um, I can only imagine, like, how do you come back from that? Like, And it's ballsy. It was the first film he did post-Dazed and Confused. Yeah. It is not, like, that was his rocket ship to fame and he could have done any, anything at that point really and he chose to do this small film in europe yeah. with two actors two people talking and not yeah. much happening and love is in the air that's enough that yeah that's enough that's how my <laughs> mind works you know and yeah. as a filmmaker it's sort of my own curse you know mm -hmm. like even i was in my 20s and I, I met this woman in philadelphia and we walked the streets all night you know it, it took hours and hours to even kiss you know it was yeah. like just the, our minds were firing and we were talking and there was this real connection. And it's great. Who knows? Right? Is that hormonal? Is it whatever it is? What happened but, to that woman? But even as I was doing that, I was like, I want to make a film about this. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, this, just this feeling, you know? So I'm trying to make a film. Is that, is Five that, years later, I'm trying to make a, that film about just a feeling. Was it, that the line where you kissed her though? It wasn't a narrative. When you said, no. I want to make a film about, come on. About yeah, we have to kiss somewhere yeah. in here. No, I don't think so. I'm what, more of like a Woody Allen, uh, Annie Hall. Let, let's right. get the first kiss yeah. over with right now, so we can. Yeah. Since we're talking about directors, he made these movies for like two million dollars. Yeah, and each of them was very successful as far as making money. Yeah, each of them were nominated for an Oscar for adapted screenplay. Yeah, um, I, 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 I can't imagine you know like the amount of work it took for him to do all of this work to get it together, uh, shooting these movies and like. 
a week and a half. And, well, I was going to say before midnight was a complete surprise when it came out and started playing film festivals. People were like, what the fuck? Where yeah. did this come from? Yeah. So, yeah. And that, like we said, that one had the largest cast out of all of them. And, yeah. And I will say, I mean, before midnight, I think maybe gets like the short end of like everyone's like uh, love. But I was truly affected. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think it's really great. I, I do know some people who, who don't like it because of the specific very man and woman thing. I, I mentioned up front very blasé. Richard Linklater is incredibly heterosexual. Oh, and so, like, I, would, I think there's a little bit of that. I was, thinking, I was like, wow, like all of his movies are very white. And right. very hetero. Well, I, I think, and maybe we can talk about this later, but it feels like a good enough time to talk about it. Everybody Wants Some, which was his last film, that, or his most recent film. Yeah. And uh, he didn't understand when it came out that um, all these, there was all these, like, sort of gay readings of the oh, film. Yeah. That there would be all these, like, young college men Homo-erotic. hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Hanging out in their underwear. And, like, and he didn't, he, like, failed to see that, the film he was making would have these homoerotic undertones. And I just think it's really, really funny yeah. that like, and that's not a knock on him. He's just, he is who he is. Yeah. Like, it's like, you can't see, but like, also it's like, if you're going to hire a bunch of hunky and they are right. hunky, he, I, he would talk about going out to dinner with them. I read in interviews, he would talk about going out to dinner with them and they were all from like teenage TV shows. Uh-huh. You had, you know, cast of Teen Wolf and the cast of Glee and yeah. whatever. And, um, and like young women would come up to them and be like, Oh yeah. And it, was, like, it, was it was me. It was yeah, actually me. Yeah, it was just you. I, I I watched it very recently, and I was like, I re- I really enjoy the movie. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's I fine. don't I don't like it as much as Dazed and Confused, and it is a quote unquote spiritual sequel. Yeah, which clearly he got tired of during the press rounds. Like, uh, he's, yeah, he's like, I probably should never have said that because yeah. it has nothing to do with Dazed and Confused. Yeah, no, but I, I I like the movie in, uh, fine. Um, but yeah, I I was like. Did he not see this guy <laughs> wearing these thigh shorts, like bulging legs? And I was like, all of them, every single one. The, the movie is just full of beautiful people. <laughs> yeah. Full of, everyone is so attractive. I was like, all right, cool. Like, and then he makes them sing at the end. Yeah. And like... yeah. Uh, there's like that scene where it, like they're in Barton Springs and Austin is like, ooh, we're swimming <laughs> with our shirts off. I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. <laughs> so homoerotic. Yes. Um... But anyways, back to the before series. Sorry if no, you didn't. No, no, I think. Uh, do you think now uh, we can talk about maybe uh, uh, others? Yes. Because uh, uh, I, I will say, I think it's worth noting. Um, if, if I wasn't going to choose a before series, uh, what brings me a lot of joy, and this is me cheating again, is both movies he's made with Jack Black. Yeah. I have never seen Jack Black better than he is in Bernie and in School of Rock. Bernie was also in my top ten films of was 2011. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, and and I, uh, you know, again, Jack Black using his powers for good. I'm just playing it the way you told me. I know. And you know what? It's perfect. But the thing is, rock is about the passion, man. Where's the joy? You're the lead guitarist, and we are counting on you for some style, brother. So try this out. This is an ancient technique. It's called power stance. That's it. Power stance. You own the universe. Now give me an E chord. Just go. But let me hear raise your goblet of rock it's a toast to those who rock because he i don't think of him and i'm like oh i love that guy like it's not that's not where i'm at with him in my life but when i think uh, i school of rock still holds up first of all yeah still rock is fun school rock is a great combination too because also a really tight script by mike white yeah who's a genius as well so I, i and i respect um mike white and 
Linklater for being like, you know what? We don't need a sequel to this. Yeah. And th- that they've talked about that coming up, bubbling up, like, we should do more of this. And they're like, you know what? We're fine. Like, there's yeah. not enough reason to do that. Um, but between that and Bernie, I was just like, whoa, here's someone who can really harness the energy of this manic, obnoxious actor. Yeah. And put it to really great filmmaking. Um, I, I want to, since we were talking about Bernie, once again, before I move on to my other favorites, Bernie is really fantastic. It's very easy to find. That's another example of him crossing over into documentary as well. There's a lot of of real scenes with real people from the real town. What's funny, they're not all real. Some of them are actors. Yeah. But it's hard but it's hard to pick out. Yeah. Because the people themselves were are characters. Are characters. characters. Carthage is in East Texas. And that's totally different from the rest of Texas, which could be five different states, actually. You got your West Texas out there with a bunch of flat ranches. Up north, you got some Dallas snobs with their Mercedes. And then you got the Houston, the carcinogenic coast is what I call it, all the way up to Louisiana. Then down south, San Antonio, uh, that's where the Tex meets the Mex, like the food. And then in central Texas, you got the People's Republic of Austin with a bunch of hairy-legged women and liberal fruitcakes. Of course, I left out the panhandle, and a lot of people do. And it's so beautifully done. And on top of that, it's based on a true story. Yep. And the real Bernie actually got out of prison. And lived with him. And lived with Richard Linklater. Yes. Crashed at his place yes. for a while because he was very adamant about Bernie getting out of jail. And also, Richard Linklater, that story is based on an article that was written about Bernie. Yes. Um, uh, Skip Hollinsworth, I think, is the writer. Yeah. And so Skip and Linklater are like BFFs, just like living their Texas lives, writing stories about Texas, doing all things Texas, and, you know, decided, like, it's super fascinating. Beyond, like, you know, Matthew McConaughey's in there. Yeah. Uh, Shirley MacLaine. Shirley Hello. MacLaine. A really brilliant, too. Yeah. A really brilliant turn. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I wanted to give a shout out to his two play adaptations, which seem sort of, they're both a perfect fit and also don't seem like something he would do. And that would be Tape and Suburbia. Um, not to be confused with Penelope Spears' Suburbia, which came out in the 80s. Um, but <laughs> I was uh, confused, Gavin. Yeah, I know. You looked it. You looked so... Um, you're like, Penelope Spears of Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 fame? Um, um, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. We'll, we'll talk about her later. Okay. <laughs> but, okay, okay. Uh, but uh, so Suburbia is this play that was... Um, Oh, uh, written, it's Eric Bogosian. Sorry, it took me a brain thing for a moment. But uh, it was written by Eric Bogosian, who's also an actor. Um, and it's this play about uh, people, like this this group of punks sort of stuck in their hometown. And they hang out at like a very 7-Eleven type mart. And there's a, uh Indian man who works there who they're very racist against. Right. And like, and it's it's just this really like interesting small portrait of like, people stuck in their own place um and then sort of it's sort of the anti slc punk i think i think when i went to high school slc punk became this movie for a lot of like teen punks that were like yeah punk when really like the message was like no you got to grow up sometime whereas like suburbia sort of lays that out on the table like no you really have to grow up sometime and like like you can do what you want with life, but like there's also like responsibility. Yeah, there's rules you have to play by at certain points. And um, uh, Parker Posey's in that. And she was also oh, in Dazed so and Confused. Good. And then there's tape, and tape is a really interesting experiment um, because it was literally just uh, Linklater in a hotel room with Ethan Hawke 
and Uma Thurman and uh, Robert Sean Leonard. And it's just those three people. It's those three characters. Uma Thurman doesn't even show up to the last half of the movie. It's an hour and a half. Um, and it was him with a consumer camcorder, not even like a pro film. So it looks like it's all shot on handheld video. Um, like tape? Yeah, like tape. Oh my exactly. god, my and, blown. Um, well, it's actually about a. Okay, okay <laughs> enough, Gavin. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that movie is really fantastic, and um, Ethan Hawke gives some really great performance in it. But I think the unsung hero of that film is actually Uma Thurman. Wow. So Vincent, what are you up to? Me? Yeah. Not much. I couldn't believe you just called me like that out of the blue this morning. Yeah. No, no, I actually love it when people do that. Really? Yeah, no, no, it's it's just that I don't have the courage to do that kind of thing, and it just... <laughs> well, I just figured, what the hell, you know? Yeah, but you could have easily not done it. Not done what? Well, not called. Most people don't. That's true. It is true. Like, John. <laughs> I didn't know you lived out here. And if you had? <laughs> I'm probably one of those people who don't have the courage. You think? It's hard to say. It is. I mean, it is hard. I mean, half the time it's not even worth it, you know? People change. They end up having nothing to say to each other, even if they were best friends a year before. And uh, she gives a really good sort of, like, read of the room at the end of the movie. And I feel like Uma might be a very interesting character for us to look into. I added her to the list while you weren't looking. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay. But, uh, the yeah, so uh, I highly recommend checking both of those out. Uh, they're both from the 90s. And, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, both I have not seen, so I will be excited to kind of, like, dig in. And yeah. More. A G, like, the, the one thing that really... I came out of suburbia with is like, there's all these people in suburbia who eventually became much bigger stars. Steve, Steve Zahn is in it. Nikki cat who didn't become the world's biggest star, but he's a really great actor. Uh, Parker Posey, but it makes you so sad that Gianni Ravisi's career didn't yeah. really go anywhere. Cause he's the main character and he's so good in it. You see his face and you're like, Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he never really blew up. But uh, I suppose we should move on to the bad Not films. great the Not great. It's really interesting because uh, there was not a lot to choose from, I thought. from uh, he, He's pretty solid. I think it comes down... I think there's a couple... I was, I was telling someone that we were doing Richard Linklater, and they were kind of like, why? I think they're like, he's an over-talked about filmmaker as it is, and the consensus on him is that like his films that are good are really good, and his films that are bad are really bad. I don't think that's necessarily true because I, I think there are like certain ones that, yes, are bad. I also think there's ones that you can find personally not as good that you can still sort of respect. Yeah. Um, so my choice for uh, my least favorite Linklater movie is actually The Newton Boys. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I And only because... It's so charming, though. I I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like it's, uh, it's weird because I know what he can do mm-hmm. when it comes to these true stories. I saw... I thought that the movie was just incredibly boring i yeah. you know i for for these cast of characters my favorite part of the movie was the end watching the actual guys doing those inter- interviews because the stories about you know, these bank robbers and the, the, they sold the movie as like these are the nicest bank robbers ever and they don't want to hurt anybody but when the movie starts and it, it gets going it's like oh no matthew McConaughey's character is kind of a dick i suppose i could give you um 70 cents on the dollar and i promise never to tell anybody where they came from 85 would be better we promise never to rob your little bank. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like selfish as fuck. 
and he doesn't really care. And it is so, so parts of it rang false for me. Um, Juliana Margulies, she's so bad. I don't know what she's doing there. And uh, you know what? I have recently been dipping my toe into The Good Wife for the uh-huh. first time, and let me tell you. She is not the good wife in that movie. She's not the good wife? I know she can act, because I watch The Good Wife now, uh-huh. but, like... And yeah, and I was like... She's really bad. So, it's this... And it's crazy, because, um... So, the brothers are, uh... McConaughey, uh... Ethan, Ethan Hawke, Hawk again. Um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. And then the cute one. Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Skeet Ulrich, who... Also known as Jughead's dad on Riverdale. He... Oh, yeah, and also oh he's God. in Scream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like... <laughs> I was like, he... He's maybe the most charming of the bunch, yeah. I think... Um, there's that great moment. He has that tete-a-tete with the woman at the hotel where he's like, aren't you a little young to be working yeah, reception yeah. at a hotel? And she's like, aren't you a little young to be staying in a hotel all by yourself? And he's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't find much to really like. And it's crazy, though, because then I go off to Wikipedia and I'm looking up the, the actual what really happened. And I'm like, oh, these guys are very interesting. Yeah. And and yet the movie to me just kind of fell really flat. I was like, oh, man. And, and, and it's crazy because I know... Uh, Linklater must have been like, I, this is a Texas thing, I yeah. can get, I, and he feels connected to it, but for whatever reason, it feels very, you know, uh, unsuccessful for me. I, I, especially after seeing Bernie, where it's like, he can take an interesting story, like, and, and really give it life and personality. This was just like, kind of like a paint by the numbers, Hollywood, whatever. Yeah. And I was very unimpressed. It's, it's one of those interesting things where the, the thing that I, I do like about it is that it, it gives you that sort of like, opposite take on what you would think because i remember my father telling me about the uh james younger gang in missouri which is you know like jesse james and and in missouri they're considered heroes Mm -hmm. but like north of the mason dixon line like everybody knows they were murderers (laughs) and so like actual murder and so like it's interesting to see like i he took me to the courthouse in his hometown where that has like a a tribute to Jesse James in it, and that's like the Law and Order center of the town. Law and Order, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, so Mishka it's, Hargate is there also, exactly. Um, so I I think it that to me is the more interesting element. But yeah, it's not it's not completely. It's, it's crazy because like they, I wish they would have made them more like. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. Like the most interesting thing to me was like. They all got really light sentences yeah. for like this three million dollar heist back in the thirties, which is huge, you yeah. know. And because they were so personable and likable, they got off really light and lived long, you know, illustrious lives. Yeah, and... I do love that they point that out too. That Ethan Hawke's character got the least sentence yeah. because he was so charming in court, so colorful in court, <laughs> and was able to like he was like a funny drunk and whatever. And I and I was like, wow, I didn't get any of that. I yeah. I wanted more of that, and so I I'm more I. I'm more disappointed. I wanted that movie to yeah. be better. I, I do think there's um, some other bad ones in his uh, in his filmography, um, but I also didn't pick one that's like seen overall as bad by by most people. I, I do know certain people who don't like it, but my least favorite Linklater film is Waking Life, actually. Wow. And I think Waking Life is bad for similar reasons to that you just said. Visually, very stunning. Waking Life is a a film based off a dream that he had, and it's very much like Slacker, where it's continuous conversations, and it's all about philosophy and all about dream life. There's even a moment that you get with Ethan Hawke and Joey yep. Delpy. Yeah, sort of like crazy, weird before reunion, but not really not canon because it's yeah, a dream. <laughs> exactly. Um, and on top of that, it's all rotoscoped yep. over, which is like a hand drawing process where you go in and c- can draw over the film. The, the film. 
And he really pushes that to its limit by like, sometimes it goes off into shapes that like you wouldn't think of. And, um, and I, I really appreciate the sort of interest aesthetic that he put into that. However, I just think that movie is full of shit. <laughs> like, I just, I, but... yeah, I, I don't think any of the philosophy is that interesting. I think, yeah. you know, it's it's a common thing where people tell you, you know, what's the most boring thing someone can do to you is tell you about their dreams. Yeah. It's an hour and a half of that, of it, somebody telling yeah. you about their dreams. It, it almost feels like, you know, a uh, guy took a, like, a really aggressive hit of weed and yeah. was just like, like, what if we're dreaming right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Self-destructive man feels completely alienated, utterly alone. He's an outsider to the human community. He thinks to himself, I must be insane. What he fails to realize is that society has, just as he does, a vested interest in considerable losses and catastrophes. These wars, famines, floods, and quakes meet well-defined needs. Man wants chaos. In fact, he's gotta have it. Depression, strife, riots, murder, all this dread. We're irresistibly drawn to that almost orgiastic state created out of death and destruction. I, I agree. I, I I just find that movie insufferable. And I think part of it is I also, you know, I, I got into film when I was in high school. And I hung out with a lot of people that were into film. And they just thought that movie was the end all be all of cinema. And I was just like, oh, I was, goodness. I was, I was very worried after I finished that. I was like, wait. Am I, like, not appreciating this because it gets, like, high art or whatever? No, no. And I had, well, that's how I felt, too. Because I felt like I had to pretend to like it. And now I'm, I'm hanging around much more sensible people. And now, <laughs> now I don't give a fuck. And exactly. also this movie's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, yeah, I just don't think it was, like, a... I understand, like, the art of it. And, like, like the rotoscope is beautiful. And, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very dreamlike you know, he, and so great. He goes on to use that later in A Scanner Darkly. Yep. And... Um, let me tell you, there's some really bad Philip K. Dick adaptations out there. This is not one of them. Uh-huh. Scanner Darkly is a really well done film. It just doesn't happen to be one of my favorites. Yeah. But I recommend seeing it. Yeah. Uh, this is just, I think that movie though succeeds because we have like strong characters like yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Keanu Reeves, who are just like kind of pushing through the rotoscope. This is this kind of all shapes and sounds. Yeah. Um, it kind of picks up later when like finally there's kind of something to cling on to where he's like, he can't wake up from this yeah. dream. And that's kind of interesting. But, uh, it, it's definitely one of those movies that's like, if you want to like kick back, you know, eat an edible or whatever yeah. and like feel weird for a day, great. But do not go and sit, you will fall asleep. Yeah. I, I think I did even in college have some people be like, well, you're not a philosophy student. And I, you know what? I have utmost respect for people that go into philosophy because I don't know what sort of career path you're going for. But, uh-huh. could, but like, I've met some really nice people who are philosophy majors, but I still remember that being like a sticking point where they'd be like, well, no, it's really, it's about philosophy. And it's like, no. If you don't get it. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, I'm, we're not stupid people, but right. it's just like, uh, it's like maybe I do get it. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like he's very interested in like these big think ideas. Yeah, um, and he's successful in a lot of them. Like you know, with love and romance and time, I yeah. think he he kills all that. Uh, with this, it was like what is life and dreaming, and I was like, oh man, I don't know if this was your strong suit, sir. Now I know people probably expected us to pick Bad News Bears. I think yeah. that's the logical choice. Um, it's not a particularly good remake. Um, it's not that interesting. And I, I saw it and I was like, this is kind of like a Disney Channel movie with like F-bombs. Yeah. It's It's, so inoffensive. It feels paint by numbers. It's weirdly, speaking of his like 
aggressive heterosexuality. Like, they add a weird subplot with a strip club that is not in the original that I was just like, why does this feel necessary? Yeah. Like, and, um, but I mean, it's not, but it's not offensive. It just no. feels misplaced. It's very, and, and, and the, I, I have never seen the original, but like, the point is to be offensive, right? Like, right. this guy was so offensive around these, like, kids, like, these misfits. But Billy Bob Thornton is kind of very one note. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, too, because he's the reason Richard Link. So Richard Linklater had a second option with uh, Columbia, I believe, because they did School of Rock. And so they pitched him on Bad News Bears, and he wasn't interested. And then they said, we have Billy Bob Thornton attached. And he was like, oh, I want to work with Billy Bob Thornton. And I've not... If you are in our listening audience and you can find this audio clip somewhere, I've not been able to find it. I've been searching for it for two weeks now. I remember hearing him say in an interview once, post, very much post, because you never want to shit on something you're working on. Yeah. But that, you know, for every bad news bears he makes, he can make, you know, three before sunsets. Yeah. And um, I don't blame him for yeah. that. Like, I don't blame him, but I want, like, this movie was not successful, right? No. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, it feels very out of left field, but the movie is very, like, I, I was like, I've seen this Disney Channel original yeah. movie. And, you know, I mean, yeah, there's like, there's a little bit of like offensiveness, but it's not like, oh my God, what are they saying? He's crazy. Like, yeah, he's drunk. Cool. I, uh, it's funny too, because the original I was reading actually had like a social impact, which is very different than yeah. this one. Because the reason they, so in Bad News Bears in the original and in the remake, which I was happy that they kept this, they lose in the end. And it was important in the original that they lost because we had just gotten out of Vietnam. Mm. And it was like this weird sort of statement Losing about... Losing is okay. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I find that really interesting. Obviously, that doesn't really connect that much into the, you it, know, it, 2008, 2002, I think. It feels like it, uh, yeah. it was like... The, the audience just, it felt for, I, I didn't know who that movie was for. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it, this movie surely isn't for kids because they can't wa- go to the theater to watch this. But no adult human being would be like, this is crazy and wild. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly, yeah. Like, and, it, and it seems like the audience for that, the nostalgic audience for that had had passed, you know, wasn't of age. Yeah. To, um, I, I, the reason why I didn't choose that is like, it's so just like forgettable and not right. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about Fast Food Nation as well, which I feel like that movie is, um, it's bad, but it's like, it's so funny because they're back to back. Bad News Bears is 2005, <laughs> Fast Food Nation is 2006. It's just nothing. It's just nothing. There's nothing which memorable is weird because about isn't Fast, Fast Food, Food Nation like based on like this very big Oh, the book, the book is like really great and like really interesting. And I think it was too much like we're trying to put idea we're like having characters speak ideas and not speak about like human things and there's some decent subplots in there it's his most altman-esque film where there's a lot of characters and a lot of things going on but they're actually moving towards one plot which is not something he like usually Uh if he has a cast of many many characters they're sort of on their own free thinking and like um it just it wilmore valderrama didn't yeah, exactly. It didn't coalesce. When you're talking about directors, there's always this concept that a director has a point of view and uh, you can sort of see it across a large body of work. Yeah. And I think what's great about Richard Linklater, once again, is that you're able, like, he's very true to himself and he's, yeah. he's very interested. It's very clear. Yeah. It's clear what he likes doing. Yeah. Like, when you see the passion coming through in Bernie, when you see it coming through in the Before trilogy. Yeah. Like, Boyhood is another, and I know we didn't yeah. talk about, I'm sure yeah. people expect us to talk about Boyhood. I think, personally, once again, and this is, as I said, you know, sometimes... Sometimes motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes critics will, you know, think one way and, and other people will. I think Boyhood is a technical success. 
I didn't connect with Boyhood. I felt like Boyhood was a movie made for, like, my father. And, like, sort of the way that, like, where I found Slacker really universal, I didn't feel Boyhood was universal. I didn't see myself in that kid's childhood. Um, and I also felt like the roles for the parents, well, really well acted. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Patricia Arquette definitely deserves her award for that. I thought she was really underwritten, and I thought, like, things were edged more towards, like, isn't Ethan Hawke great, even though yeah. he's a deadbeat dad? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, like, I think Richard Linklater definitely has his biases. Yeah. Obviously, clearly. Uh, and so, that's why, I mean, to, to be able to transcend uh, writing uh, Celine in the Before Trilogy, I mean, uh, he had a co-writer at the beginning, right? Kim yes. something? Yes. Um, and, uh, and then, obviously... Keep going, I'll look her name but up. But then, cause... obviously... Uh, uh, Julie Delby was essentially writing her role in that thing. And so uh, you're right. In Boyhood, it feels very much like it's a one, like the vision is very like singular. Yeah. And uh, I like Boyhood a lot. Um, I don't recommend like watching it just for fun because like it, it, it is a time suck. Like, Kim Krizan. Yeah. And um, you can see he he has a blind spot for women. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and all things not hetero. But I will say like not to knock like I, I connect very deeply with like he has he has a very big broad like romantic uh, notion of life, and I think it's so admirable the way he's just like pushing the limits of like filmmaking. Yeah, and uh, I mean he's one of those directors out there that's really trying. You know, he's not like a Brett Ratner who's yeah, just he, making a yeah, you know stupid action movie every time. He's not content with just like sitting back and being like, oh well, there's a movie, whatever, bye. Right. You know, he really is interested in exploring his medium. And yeah. I, I, uh, watching his movies bring me a lot of happiness. I think, I mean, I, and, and again, as, as a point of view from, of being a Texan and like recognizing like the places that he's showing me from my home um, state. And then also just like, man, really understanding like the scariness of love and like taking risks and taking chances. And like, it, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, like just a Hillary Duff song, just like, you know, Break away. Oh, is that, that's Clay Clarkson. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm getting my divas mixed up. Yeah, podcast brain. I know. God. So, so yeah. So, I guess that wraps up our talk about done. Richard Linklater. Um, I'm exhausted, Gavin. If, if you want to see any of his films, many of them are out there. Um, surprisingly, none of them are on Filmstruck, which is the Criterion slash Turner Classic Movies film streaming platform. Really? I know. Even though a lot of his films are released through Criterion. Um, Days and Confused, Slacker, the Before yeah. Trilogy. Two of the Before Trilogy are on Amazon Prime if you have that. Excellent. Um, but uh, I highly recommend investigating him more if you're interested. Um, he's still making films. And usually we like to mention what is coming up next. He's doing Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Yeah, he's so that's what he's currently in pre-production on. But he actually has a film that he's in post-production on that is coming out mm-hmm. Um called Last Flag Flying, and it is a another spiritual sequel. To what? To The Last Detail. It's a Jack Nicholson film. Huh. Um, so in the Jack Nicholson role uh, in this is Brian Cranston, and it also stars Steve Carell and Lawrence Fishburne. Oh. Um, and, Thirsty for some Oscars. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And I, I should be really interested in, in finding out how well this works. But yeah, that, that'll be out in 2017. Um but yeah, and then as you mentioned, where'd you go, Bernadette? Um, which he's directing Kate Blanchett in. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. I'm done. I'm there. I'm Kristen ready. Wiig is also in talks. Ooh, yeah, I'm ready. So it should be interesting. Once again, um, it doesn't look like there's. Uh, it's men. It's men writing it. 
So yeah, I true. hopefully, you know, maybe maybe we'll get that maybe. that recapture that um, mm-hmm. we'll great see. female feeling that he normally does. Um, he also has a TV series he did for Hulu called Up to Speed. Uh, you can check that out on Hulu. Is that and now? I believe it. I think it's already out. Yeah, oh. it was it came out in 2012, so it's oh. been, been out for a while. Um, but I did want to touch on something else uh, as we wrap up Richard Linklater. I've been trying to run polls on our Twitter feed. I don't know if you've noticed, mm-hmm. but but I. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, wow. The uh, so I I just to revisit last week's episode or two weeks ago we did Will Smith and I ran a poll on people's favorite Will Smith performance. Now Twitter only allows you four options. Okay. So I went with a wide breadth. I went with. Uh, Men in Black, Bad Boys, Ali, and Six Degrees of Separation. Well, well, I'm I'm excited now. Oh, my God. uh, Men in Black won with 69%. There were 13 votes. Okay. Um, I kind of knew it would win. Yeah. But I do want to say Six Degrees of Separation got 15% of the votes. Uh, So thank you. Bad Boys and Ali both got 8% of the votes. Well, you know, a good good showing across the board. Exactly. Exactly. But, I mean, I think what we learned, though, is Men in Black is a great movie. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um... But uh, I just so, you know, if you guys want to interact with us that way. Oh, go on. Also, of note, Six Degrees of Separation is on Broadway right now. It really is. With Allison Janney. Yes. As a stalker chatting role. And I, I want to see it. We, we should go see it. We're going to go on a field trip. Yeah, exactly. Sure. We'll do a mini episode review of it. True. <laughs> um, but uh, the, yeah, if you guys want to interact with us that way, you can find us on Twitter at at the mix reviews you can email us at reviews mixed at gmail.com and i gotta get better at checking that because i don't know if anybody's emailed uh-huh. us for this episode yeah. um and then we're also on facebook just yeah. at the mixed reviews yes exactly well i believe it's facebook.com slash reviews mixed to find but you can just also search in your search facebook the, yeah. yeah no one's okay well <laughs> go to your browser and type in facebook.com slash <laughs> but yeah so th- those are how you can reach us um that's our social media presence yeah. and we're going to discuss who we want to do next week. But if you have any suggestions for us... Please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We are always in the market for it. The reason we're doing this bi-weekly is it gives us enough time to watch everything because mm-hmm. Louie and I have lives. Uh, but, I mean, barely, but yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, th- this is really fun, and uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. So. Cool. Then we'll see you guys in two weeks. Two weeks! Let me sing you a waltz Out of nowhere out of my thoughts let me sing you a waltz about this one night stand you were for me that night everything i always dreamt of in life but now you're gone you All the way to your island of rain It was for you just a one-night thing But you were much more to me, just so you know I don't care what they say I know what you meant for me that day just want another try I just want another night Even if it doesn't seem quite right You meant for me much more Than anyone I've met before 
messy is worth a thousand.